to know me is to know I love me some reality TV and the Housewives franchise is no exception. Mainly, I watch New Jersey, Atlanta, Potomac, Beverly Hills, and recently got back into New York. But we'll talk about that a little more after the intro. Now, I'm going to start this by saying that Erica isn't my favorite housewife, although she is my favorite when it comes to the looks. She serves in the main cast intro, and normally her looks on the individual intros in the episodes also give in a major way. Now, they started this documentary with the messiest woman, Danielle Staub, aka Beverly you have to watch to know that reference she didn't really like Erica in fact she calls her fake do you see what I mean the mess of it all and I'm so excited we are back with the real housewife star accused with her husband of staging a fake divorce to hide money from the families of plane crash victims. Thomas Girardi is accused of embezzlement. A federal lawsuit says he took money from a settlement fund to maintain their wealthy public image. It had all the elements. Hollywood, LA, huge cases, along with a real housewife. It was like a movie. Tom Girardi was L.A. Law, a superstar. Legendary for winning millions of dollars in settlements. Tom is being accused by his own clients, people that hired him, that trusted him, from stealing money. That's the worst thing a lawyer can do. He had private jets. He had a Pasadena mansion. He was spending 40000 a month on Erica and her glam squad. They were just blowing money left and right. Tons of money. Now, you know that song that you've heard but forgot about until you hear it again? Well, that's Erica's song, Expensive, with two X's and a dollar sign. Now, I didn't like the dollar sign for an S when Chris from Married at First Sight did it, and I don't like it now. But this song is definitely one that if it's not currently on your gym playlist, it should be. So imagine you've just done your five minute warm up on the treadmill and then this comes on. It's expensive to be like, yeah, I mean, now you've definitely upped that acceleration and maybe that incline is a little higher. Either way, Erica enjoyed the money for sure. And as her song stated, it's expensive to be her and that look don't come for free. And yes, it was hard not to repeat it the way that she said it. So we get into Tom and how he got to become the Goliath in the law world that he was. So first, Tom was a big shot way before his involvement in the Aaron Brockovich case, which he settled for $333 million. 
the largest settlement at that time. However, that's just the most famous case for him to date. Now, Erica was born in Georgia and she had dreams of stardom. At 18, she moved to New York and worked as a go-go dancer at Shakers in New Jersey. After that, she ended up moving to Los Angeles, where she would eventually meet Tom. And in the year 2000, they got married at a country club with no prenup. Tom's law firm paid okay, but he had way better perks. It was just extra. <laughs> I don't know. It was normal to stay at the Ritz-Carlton. The Christmas party was at the Jonathan Club. Every year you have someone like Leanne Rhymes come and sing Christmas carols to your 300 closest friends. There's an annual conference in Las Vegas. We would host a dinner and that was the hottest ticket in town. There was Jay Leno performing. Aaron Brockovich was at the table. I remember one time I was with Tom, and he actually points to a judge across the room and actually goes like this. And this judge ran up to him like a puppy dog. I saw the power that he could wield right then and there. He was the man that people went to who wanted to get appointed to the bench and become judges. He was the person that people who wanted to run for public office would go and meet and talk to. In 2007, Erica asked Tom to finance her music career with one caveat, no return on investment. Now, this feels like a grift if I ever heard of one. If you feel like you're talented and you're actually going to be able to make it, there's no way you say a request like no return on investment. That just feels like a way to suck the money out of him. And he was willing to allow it because she was young and hot. The surgeons did their jobs well. It's no shade because I'm all for doing whatever you need to do in order to feel amazing and love yourself. And if a nose job or breast implants give you that ego boost, then get it, girl. At some point, Erica got cast on the Housewives of Beverly Hills, which truly was amazing casting for that group of ladies. In 2017, she gave a tour of their home. And while it's not really my taste, it is to someone. I'm more of a modern farmhouse. Think Chip and Joanna Gaines, shiplap and marble with some gold accents. That's more my style. If you want an example of a housewife's home who I love, think Dorit. But the main attraction in her home was her closet, and it was filled with Chanel. It made me think that I probably should have gone to law school. I didn't know that you could attain that much wealth by being a trial attorney. And I know some people were like, no, you can't. But you have to think of the type of cases and access that Tom had. The Brockovich case, for example, the settlement was for $333 million. 
the law firm itself received $133 million of that settlement money. Erin herself got $2.5 million of that settlement. So depending on how many lawyers and law clerks there were on that team, I would have to guesstimate that the earnings of the lawyers themselves would have to be a minimum of at least $20 million easily on that case. Representing the little guy is probably one of the most profitable spaces, to be honest, because when you sue, you aren't suing for a couple hundred dollars. You are going after huge corporations who wronged you in such egregious ways. So those are going to be multi-million dollar suits. Think Dark Waters, the movie with Mark Ruffalo, where they sued DuPont. Now, DuPont didn't want to settle originally, so they took the first three cases to court and those ended up getting settled for multi-million dollars each. And because they kept losing, they decided to settle the rest of the 3,500 cases for a total of $671 million dollars. If I'm not mistaken, that one attorney represented all of those people. So he definitely got paid. So we then get into the pressures of the ladies to keep up with the Joneses. So they flaunt wealth in times that they don't have or at times go into debt. We get into some of their legal troubles, Probably one of the most famous is Teresa Judice and her husband, as well as Luann, who kicked the cop and got away with it. And then there's Jen Shaw, who is one of the newest housewives from the Salt Lake City franchise. And she is currently in legal trouble over fraud and money laundering. And all we can hope is that the cameras are rolling during this time for the upcoming seasons of the shows. Now, some attorneys weren't in love with the show or Tom's involvement in it, although it was really minimal. There was the talk of his age, his sexual prowess at said age, and the talk of their immense wealth. And that's, I think, crossing the line in what we do. We represent people who are victimized by big corporations and, and, and rich people. And here you're putting that out that you're super wealthy and that you're basically the man. We sue the man. You don't want to be the man. And he's showing people that he's the man. Now, on one hand, I get it. But on another hand... I'm like, oh, you have jets. So that means if I'm your client, you're going to make sure I get the largest settlement because that jet costs money and you need to make that payment. On the other hand, if your clients aren't getting their money, then they start totaling the cost and realizing their money bought that plane and 
they are still at home figuring out how to make medical payments. And that's not okay. Now that we've got the fluff out of the way, let's really get to the meat and potatoes. Let's get into the clients that he wronged. First, we meet Joe Ragomez, and he was a client of Tom Girardi. In 2010, Joe, along with his girlfriend Jessica, were home watching the NFL game, and out of nowhere, he said that the ground started shaking and there was noise like a jet engine out front. That happened for about three seconds, and then a blast happened. A gas line erupted, causing a huge fire. That fire quickly engulfed his home, and he managed to find the back door, but he thought he was going to die. Joe had burned over 90% of his body. It was a very intense situation, as not only were the burns outside of his body bad, but the air that he had breathed in was also burning the inside of his body. Joe's mom, Kathy, his dad, and his sister went back to the old neighborhood the next day and were trying to find Joe's girlfriend, Jessica. A couple days later, they found her in the neighbor's shed. Unfortunately, she had passed there. Then we meet Kimberly and Kathy, who is Joe's mom. They've been friends for 48 years. Kimberly worked as a legal consultant at the time, so Kathy and her husband asked to meet with Tom, and Kim was able to set up that meeting through some connections that she had. The family felt confident just because of who Tom was. In fact, in his first meeting, he gave Kathy a resume and magazines where he was featured. The magazines is a little weird, but okay. About a year and a half after the explosion, Tom asked to work with Kim, and she would then go on to be a legal consultant with his firm for the next seven years. She says he took her under his wing and answered any questions that she had. It was like getting an internship with this huge figure in law. Crazy knowing what she knows now. They found out that it was a faulty pipe, so it was the fault of PG&E, the same company that he had sued before for the Aaron Brockovich case, and they went in for mediation. When they got there, though, he told them that he had already settled their case. Now, they didn't really know what was going on, but... Joe felt like the number was okay because it would cover any issues that he had and then some. Now, how does a settlement work and how does the client get paid? Brian Kebatek, sorry if I butchered that name, an attorney and former president of the LA County Bar Association, Neil Wertlib former chairman of the California State Bar Ethics Committee and Sunny Hostin, a legal analyst, are here to tell us. 
after a, a trial or it can be just a settlement. Your money goes into your trust account. Those funds need to be held in that trust account separate and apart from the law firm. Now, at that point in time, you're entitled to your legal fees, but the rest of the money belongs to the client. You're not allowed to touch that money. It's not your money. To remove those funds for any reason before it's clear that there's a proper accounting of what the client should get, that is probably one of the most serious offenses by attorneys, uh, certainly in California, and I would think nationwide. Every single lawyer knows that if you dip into the client's account, you will be disbarred. So Tom claimed that it would take three months to get the funds from PG&E. And in the meantime, Kathy, her daughter, and Joe could store their money in an investment account that he had used before that guaranteed 6% interest. In the letter that he drafted, they stated there would be no losses and that the money would be locked up for a six-month period. However, funds could be advanced to them if needed before that time period. His millionaire status made them feel confident in this option, so they went for it. But there were problems from the start. The case was settled in 2013, and the numbers never really added up. He never provided statements, and when payments were promised to be made, they would be delayed or didn't come at all. Kim and Kathy started looking into everything at this point, and they were trying to figure it out. But they were afraid to push it because, as we find out later, Tom knew everyone. So we meet another client, or ex-client, rather, of Tom, Josie Hernandez. In 2010, she had gone in for a sling implant for incontinence. The procedure didn't work, and it had made her sick, so she went back, and they put in another one, which only made it worse. She would go on to have several surgeries to repair the damage with the implant. She filed a lawsuit against the manufacturer. Her friend recommended Tom Girardi, and she signed with them in 2014. They would go on to settle her case for $135,000. During the time in between, though, between signing with them and settling the case, it changed hands multiple times, which started to concern her. Why was the turnover so huge here? And in 2019, when nothing was done yet, she was pretty much ready to be done with them. We get back to Joe, who is meeting with his surgeon and we find out that at this point, he's had about 30 surgeries and still has about five or six still on the back burner. His life is going to be constant surgeries and he needs the money promised to him. When he would call Tom about the missed payments, Tom would ask if he was mad at him and then butter him up. He would also say that Justice Pinelli, the mediator between the family and PG&E, were concerned that releasing the money all at once would 
do more harm than good. He didn't want him to spend it all. Kathy was like, Penelope didn't care about them at all. They could tell when they met him. And Joe was over 18. He could do whatever he wanted with his money. When asked about his involvement, though, Penelope told ABC that once the settlement was reached, he was no longer involved and that Tom lied about his involvement. A year after the settlement, the family starts to question things more and more. But then something terrible happens. Kim's son Paul died in a terrible motorcycle accident. Their attention shifted from Joe to the heartbreak over Paul. It unfortunately gave Tom a redo pass as Kim filed a wrongful death suit in his accident and Tom took the case. Now, they didn't want him to take it because they didn't want to complicate matters with Joe's case, but no one wanted to step on Tom's toes So they had to go with him. January 2017 was the last time Tom gave Joe money. He had just bought a house and most of all, he needed that money for his medical expenses. And it was his money. He was afraid he would have to sell his house because he might not be able to keep up with the mortgage. But who were they going to go to? Tom knew everyone. Kathy and Kim couldn't go to the DA, the chief of police, the California attorney general, the bar association. Who could they call? Ghostbusters? Although they might be Tom's friends too. So who knows? They were really alone. Brian said that about 20 years or so ago, there were rumblings about Tom not being able to pay his co-counsel or referring lawyers. Stories about a lot of lawsuits being filed against him started to make their way to the rumor mill. And they just kind of chalked it up to him having enemies due to who he was and what he had. Then the rumor started that Tom was pretty much broke. Now, this is a big deal because he was thought to be worth a couple hundred million dollars. How in the world was he going broke? The voicemails that we hear from Tom to Kathy and Josie, they don't reflect an evil guy. He comes off nice, like someone who just wants approval from people. Considering his status, that's crazy to say out loud. But it was cruel. Because he would act like he didn't have their money, but he did. Josie filed a complaint with the bar. And through that complaint, she was able to receive confirmation that he had received the money in May 2020. That's still a long time considering that she signed with them in 2014. But those voicemails that he was leaving, he was leaving those in August of 2020. 
So he had her money. And she hasn't received a dime of it. Now, it's election day 2020. Everyone's freaking out, trying to figure out who won the election. But then the news breaks that Erica filed for divorce amid his legal troubles. Tom had been taking out tens of millions of dollars out in loans that were coming due, and he wasn't able to pay them back properly. Now, why would he need to borrow money when he's won hundreds of millions of dollars in settlements? The news of the lenders filing lawsuits against Tom, Kim and Kathy knew that they had to get out of there once those started going public. They couldn't wait for Paul's case to be done. He was gone and Joe wasn't. So Joe had to be the priority. Luckily, though, they did find an attorney who was willing to help them both. The family ended up filing a lawsuit for the remaining settlement and Tom agreed to pay the family $12 million. We don't know exactly how much the settlement was for, let alone the initial payments, but he agreed to $12 million. A document earlier in the documentary looked like it mentioned $100 million, which I'm going to hope is wrong because going from $100 million to $12 million is not cool. But this agreement was for the first payment to be $1 million and then a $2.5 million payment would be made a couple months later. But he only made the first payment. This prompted them to go back to court and turn the settlement into a judgment, which is now enforceable. And they deposed him. In the deposition, he stated that at one point, he had about 50 to $80 million in cash. I couldn't imagine. But that was all gone now. And he also had a stock portfolio worth $50 million that was also gone. Where the hell did that money go? That's a minimum of $100 million how in the world do you blow that? Well, that admission, that opened the door to Erica and her finances. She was subpoenaed twice to give a deposition about their assets in May and then in September of 2020. And because the hearings were postponed, she never ended up sitting for questions. In December 2020, a Chicago lawyer filed a lawsuit against Tom for non-payment to him and his clients. This was regarding the Lion airplane crash. It was a 737 MAX that had crashed in Indonesia in 2018. They were representing specifically widows and orphans who had lost loved ones and were working with Boeing to resolve the cases. Tom and his firm specifically had won multi-million dollar suits on their behalf. The attorney, Jay Edelson, who had filed the Chicago case, had been trying for months to get the money from Tom for his clients. 
the thing that made him realize that he needed to file the lawsuit was the divorce. When she filed for divorce, it led them to believe that Tom was in really bad financial trouble. And they didn't want to believe it, but they also thought he might be stealing money from clients. The idea was that he stole the money in order to fund the lifestyle that he showed his colleagues as well as on the show. We meet the son of one of the Lion Air crash victims who is also one of Tom's clients and he didn't get his money. After the settlement, the firm received the money, but they kept telling the victims that the money was coming soon, but never showed up. Judge Durkin ended up getting involved and he found Tom in contempt and froze his bank accounts and referred the case to the U.S. Attorney's Office. I was a federal prosecutor. The last thing you want is a referral to the U.S. Attorney's Office. As an attorney, it is doomsday for you. It means that you are likely going to be investigated. The Chicago case, right off the bat, they name Erica Jane in their lawsuit. One of the lenders owed money by Tom Girardi claimed in a lawsuit that Tom had given his wife $20 million in loans from Girardi Keys. And that money went to Erica Jane's entertainment company, EJ Global LLC. He was taking money in some cases, it's being alleged, and investing it into Erica's business, into her career. And the allegations are that that money was coming from clients. Now, those documents aren't public yet, so it's just rumors at this point. But the son of the victim, Bay, at least I hope that's how it's pronounced, wants to stress that the real victims here are the widows and children of the air crash, as well as Joe and Josie. Not Tom. Or his wife. Hearing his voicemails and watching him on the deposition honestly create such conflicting feelings about him. Because while he did such cool acts, he just doesn't present like a cool person. Like someone who got caught up when they found themselves in a bad situation and did terrible things. Being an empath can be so weird sometimes, I tell you, especially when it's not for everyone. Like some people you feel nothing for and then others you feel for. It's mad confusing. <laughs> Tom ends up getting placed under a conservatorship with his brother taking over control of certain aspects of his life. His defense attorney has suggested that he was mentally incompetent and he was even diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Some question it as prior to everything going down, he didn't appear to have any diminished capacity. The court forced Tom into involuntary bankruptcy, and the trustees are liquidating his assets in order to pay back creditors. 
His Pasadena mansion and Wilshire Boulevard office buildings have been listed for sale. At the time of shutdown, they had about 9,000 clients, roughly 900 cases. What happens to those clients and the cases? The bar filed charges against Tom in late March. He is ineligible to practice law and the state bar is pursuing disbarment, although the court currently has put that on hold. A little late considering the complaints that they've been receiving for years about Tom. Erica is on the current season of Real Housewives and is saying that she had no idea and it was all on Tom. However, she was listed on the companies that Tom had and we already heard that he had invested $20 million in her own company. Not including the money that was getting spent on her glam squad or for the gifts that he was buying for her, her clothes. All of that, we have no idea how much was being spent there. And obviously, I don't think it was part of this company that he invested that money in. The trustees and the bankruptcy have asked for special counsel to recover assets from Erica as well. Her defense is that they were gifts and therefore are separate property. Not sure that will work, but I guess we'll see in the coming months or years, depending on how long this case drags on. Kim and Kathy have set up a website in order to help other victims. Kathy and Joe will be among the first in line to receive their money from the bankruptcy. That's it. That's how the documentary ends. There are still so many unanswered questions, such as when exactly did all of this begin? How did he go from having so much money to nothing at all? The all-important question of why. Why did Tom start stealing from his clients. The way this is kind of set up, it almost leads you to the conclusion that Erica was the catalyst, the desire to please her and help create this lifestyle for the show. I, uh, I did a little trip on the Zillow and I found the house for sale for $9.98 million after being reduced from its original $13 million ask. Now, that's not going to be enough to cover the judgments, but we can only hope that they recover their money. And that, my friends, is the end of The Housewife and The Hustler. I can't wait to hear what happens in this case, and I hope that Joe gets his money ASAP for his surgeries. Our next episode is going to be Dreamland, the burning of Black Wall Street. And let's play that trailer. There was nothing that you could not do. From executive producers LeBron James and Maverick Carter. People call it Black Wall Street. White Tulsa's murdered 
black folks. Victims were buried in unmarked graves. There was a systematic cover-up. We have a responsibility to find the truth. Dreamland, the burning of Black Wall Street. Thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of Girl Meets True Crime. As always, you can follow me on social media at Girl Meets True Crime on Instagram and Girl Meets TC on Twitter. See you in the next one. Bye.